Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today in the food space. You guys are going to love this new brand called Umami. I know. I'm not kidding. That's like the name of the company. And it's so cool. On the podcast today is my new friend, Mark Engel. Mark, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Uh, Justin, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here today. Dude, I am excited um, for a number of reasons. One, I love that your background's in CPG. And we actually have some experiences in common from some of the companies where you used to work. Um, Really cool brand. Can't wait to get to that and talk about how you got there, how you opened the business and how you grew it. But before we get to that, share with our audience a little about you. I mean, I know you spent time at General Mills, SC Johnson, uh, and others. Share with our, our, our audience what that story looks like. Sure. I'm an old guy. So, um, so it's been a journey of about 25, uh, 25 years post-graduate uh, school. And so after business school, I started at General Mills, which for me was the holy grail of CPG, Procter & Gamble and General Mills. But since I love food, uh, General Mills was the place to go. I had a chance to work on the Betty Crocker brands, think fruit roll-ups, uh, baking, and I just learned a ton. I shot TV commercials, um, uh, launched new products. It was just really exciting. Um, so, so starting out there, um, before business school, I was living in Taiwan in a small wow, village, that's cool. um, studying Chinese, okay. um, because I thought Chinese was going to be the future. I was just about 15 years, a little early. Um, <laughs> <Got it. laughs> so when I got my MBA, I also got a master's in Chinese. And, uh, after several years at General Mills, SC Johnson, which is, has a family run business with brands like Raid, Blade and Ziploc bags. They sent me to China to open a center of innovation. So this was in 1999. Um, you know, we visited 100 Chinese homes doing ethnographic work, which wow. was incredible. And going in and understanding about rodents, mosquitoes, and cockroaches. So um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> what Great what were mix. consumers' beliefs, behaviors, needs, and wants around these? And building that center of innovation. Um, so uh, you know, CPG. That was the early CPG days. Wow, that's really, really cool. Yeah, I saw you spent time at Express Scripts, Bal- Bally Foods, SCJ. Um, great background in the industry. It's one thing to work in the industry, as you know, big company, big brand, big budgets, um, right. lots of methods and processes. It's another to start your own brand in the same industry. I don't want to say it's a different skill set, but I mean, it's like, it's a, it, it, there are some things that are different about it. How did you decide to start your own business? Well, there are different skills. And I think what, what I would encourage everybody to do is to build your network. No one can do this alone. And it's about who you know, how you've treated them, and relying on others. Because innovation and launching a business is so complicated and so hard, you're going to have to rely on other people. And that's about the network. You know, I actually looked at, there's a lot of reasons people become entrepreneurs. For me, uh, I was in a very toxic uh, work environment. And I just decided I just can't work with anybody anymore. And I would rather earn far less money and do something on my own and be in charge of my own destiny. I also spent 25 years launching products and services for big companies. And I thought, why should they make all the money? You know, let me <laughs> right. Why can't you do it? That's awesome. So that's sort of ended up where I am. Oh, by the way, we were doing this before the pandemic started. So, you know, I started this in August of 19. Um, doing the research and product development, uh, wrote my first check, 
you know, and then all of a sudden we got our first pallet on March 17th, which is the day everything shut down in wow. St. Louis. So talk about amazing you know, timing. <laughs> amazing timing i could not have planned it better i should have bought a lottery ticket right that's amazing uh for those who don't know umami um the pioneering and working to disrupt the condiment market which is kind of interesting right. line of globally inspired chili crisp uh, why this market and what's the name mean uh yeah right. how did you think about that when you're trying to decide where to focus yeah. So, you know, part of the research, you, you want to bring a product that is on trend. And, you know, Wayne Gretzky always used to say, I want to skate to where the puck is going. And that's what we wanted to do. Having spent many, many years traveling all over the world and enjoying um, food from, you know, markets and street markets, I, I, I wanted to bring these flavors and cultures to people. You know, I, I'm, I'm not of any of these cultures, but I have a great appreciation for what they are. And what I want to do is share the culture and the food. Um, you know, an innovation, you can have innovation like the COVID vaccine, which is really um, a, a new molecule potentially, or you can take two things that exist and bring them together in a new and unique way. And that's what we've done. So chili crisp is common in the Asian sort of uh, market. If you go into a Chinese food restaurant, oftentimes it's on the table. There's a very famous brand called Lao Gama. That's like the ketchup in China. Um, but I was asking myself, you know, how can we take the same experience? Because people who like chili crisp are maniacal. They're incredibly passionate. And it's because it's crispy chilies, crunchy nuts and seeds, and a sweet finish. Wow. And so we, we asked ourselves, how can we take this amazing experience and bring it to other cultures? So we, we looked at Mexico, uh, India, and Morocco. And basically, we, we went and we did research on these ingredients, the unique ingredients, how they work together, uh, with the goal of taking this design thinking, chili crisp, and bringing that same organoleptic, that experience in your mouth. It's like a party in your mouth. Every bite is an adventure. And that's what we've done. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, Chinese chili crisp, Mexican chili crisp, Indian chili crisp, Morocco chili crisp. So, and then there's all kinds of collections and whatnot. Very, very cool. Um, so when you decide to start the business, you decide it's going to be in the condiment space, you decide chili crisp. What was the first step in terms of putting together a recipe or actual product before you even got to packaging? No, I think that that's a great idea. So we started with the humble Chinese chili crisp. And uh, so making that was not terribly complicated. Um, then we got to Mexico and we, we, we did some research and we looked at Oaxaca and then we looked at the ingredients and, you know, that are common in Oaxaca. And so you see guajillo, pasilla, ancho, and chipotle chili. So it's a blend of four Mexican chilies. But then we bring in the fermented black beans because what we didn't talk about is the brand umami. And as a sort of tangent, umami, U-M-A-M-I is a Japanese word, and it means the fifth taste, which is actually the name of our company. Now you might be like, well, what's the fifth taste? The fifth taste um, basically takes sweet, sour, salty, and bitter and it elevates it to a whole new level. So think of it as the conductor in an orchestra, taking all those flavors and bringing it to, a to the next level. I love and Everything that. tastes better with umami. That's and so what we've cool. done is, and umami is found naturally in like fermented products, like in our case, fermented black beans. It's found in seaweed, Parmesan cheese, sun-dried tomatoes, shiitake mushrooms. So it's available out there, and it's just this incredible fifth taste. And so 
our brand is the phonetic spelling of umami. I love that. I I mean, when I first heard it, I was like, I I bet he's like, oh, mommy. Like when you eat it, I was like, yeah, that could be kind of a cool, another cool like way of That's thinking what people about do it. I bet they do. Because they can't believe the, the, right, that it's the like flavors. So good. Right. Um, okay. So again, you have ideas here. You've got the, for an initial flavor picked out. Where did you go to make it? I mean, were you right. doing this at home? Did you find a yep. co-packer or a manufacturer? What did that look like? So it's interesting. I spent many years in the food business, most recently um, heading operations at a Chinese food company where we oh. hand-rolled 600,000 egg rolls a day. Hand-rolled? Oh, my gosh. Hand-rolled 600,000 wow. egg rolls a day, a million fortune cookies. But I'll be honest with you, that did not prepare me for this. This product is so complicated. Making, uh, you know, on one side, you have a USDA plant where you're doing meat egg rolls, right? This is making a product in a jar that has to be shelf-stable and safe. And let me tell you, it is very complicated and hard. Now sprinkle in that two of the four products use peanuts, and 95% of the facilities are like, no way, we don't do peanuts. And so, um, you know, first order of business was uh, to create the recipes. So, you know, what early on, one of the things that I told you that... Um, your listeners should be looking for is their network. So I, um, I've maintained relationships with many people throughout my career. And my, um, my first boss in college, um, was a chef. And, um, so I called her up and I basically shared my concept with her. I gave her the excruciating details and she actually developed the recipes. Um, so, and they're amazing. There's no, I could have never done it. Um, she's brilliant. Um, and so, I, but I was very specific in what had to be in there. We talked about sort of um, design criteria from a recipe perspective, and she created them. Wow. Now, the next step is how do you actually manufacture it? Because going from what's in the kitchen right. to what to can be made in a manufactured, factory, right. oh, two different things. So here we have these amazing flavors, and, I'm, and no one will make it for us. Why? Because, by the way, I had been running the Chinese food company, and I'm like, I don't want to run a food company. I don't want to worry, you know— are the chilies coming in from Mexico, right? Got um, it. Or are are two married people on the third shift, you know, getting it on, you know, <laughs> and and uh, you know, and they're not married to each other, right? You know, I, I didn't want that worry. I wanted to make food products, <laughs> right. right? Got it. You don't want to deal with the people. Sorry part. for the tangent, but you know, <laughs> and, and so so then you just get on the phone, and it was a matter of you know a hundred phone calls. Um, trying to explain to people what you're trying to do. And our product is very, very complicated to make. But finally, we found an artisan um, co-packer, and that's where we settled in. Wow. And then, okay, so you find the co-packer. What about packaging? Like, how did you decide on the packaging, the, right. the glass jar, the lid? I mean, there's some really cool aspects of your packaging. Yeah, so um, I'm going to go back to the network again. So I'm not a designer. So I found a local agency that I had worked with uh, in the past. Um, and who knew me and understood me. And together, you know, we, we came up with the name. They worked on the logo and the packaging. Um, I wrote a creative brief that really describes, you know, what's the tone of the product? Who are the customers? Um, what are the key things that you want to communicate? And, you know, another thing for, learn, for, for your listeners is um, just the ability to pivot and learn and grow. Um, you know, failure... Love you have that. to fail fast. So for example, our first product was a chili infusion. And we learned and actually I printed 5000 labels, right? Wow. And they're on they were on the first jars and then we come to realize through keyword search that no one has any idea what a chili infusion is. 
everybody calls it a chili crisp. Got it. So, wow. so, you know, we changed the label, right? And so you just have to be always paying attention, you know, especially to your consumers. Um, what's the language that they use? I, you know, anyone who's looking to do this, I would encourage them to get online, look at the competitors and understand the language people use to describe your product. And so, although I'm trained, I missed that when we started. Wow. That, that's pretty awesome. Um, so you figure out packaging, again, leveraging the network. Did you know it was going to sell? In other words, did, or was this blind faith? I'm, I'm coming up with a product that I, that I think is cool and others will buy it. Um, I didn't know. Um, you know, this is, um, it exists. Well, here's what I did know that, um, Lao Gama sells millions and millions of jars. And when you, if you were to just Google chili crisp or Lao Gama, which is spelled L A O G A N M A, what you would find is that the people who eat this stuff are beyond passionate. They're maniacal. The way they talk about it, they're, there's, I've never seen passion like this. And I'm thinking if we can take that same concept, and I actually think we've taken it to a whole new level. Um, and I can explain why, but I think we've taken it to a whole new level and we brought it to other cultures. So now you can actually travel the world with our products. You can, you know, um, at a meal, you can have Moroccan, you know, breakfast is Moroccan over your eggs. You know, lunch could be a ch uh, Indian chicken salad and dinner could be noodles with Chinese stir fry. You know, um, it, it's just sure. that flexible and easy to use. Well, love that. And then, uh, so the product comes together, you, you land your first pallet last March 17. What did it look like getting it out to market? Obviously, direct to consumer off your website was priority. What else? Because you've already got reviews here. How right. are you thinking about getting product out? Yeah. So um, the day it arrived, every store shut down here right. from the <laughs> pandemic. So yeah. all the sales calls that I was planning on going on, they're like, the doors literally were locked closed, um, you know, because you start in your local market, right? They're all yeah. closed. Um, so thank God we had a website up and running. And, you know, we, we stumbled through Google's tools and Facebook's tools and just getting up. You know, in the beginning, it was getting in the local St. Louis paper and getting awareness. Um, and then it was a matter of um, just... Uh, we, we ran some Facebook ads, which were a disaster. Um, it's easy to lose money very quickly. <laughs> if you don't know, you can burn through your money quickly because if it's not oh targeted God. correctly. I, I no. live that. I know. <laughs> totally. I mean, and people, I've had entrepreneurs say to me, I spent $10,000 on Facebook and didn't get anything what, from oh, yeah. it. And I'm like, I spent Easily, 500 though. Impressions, and didn't get placements yeah. and all. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I would say the key lesson learned for me there was, we were getting people to click through, but we didn't have landing pages. No one told me about landing pages. So like I have an ad for ve our product is vegan. I have an ad for vegans and they land on my, my, my website to a page that wasn't vegan oriented. And people are like, they're disoriented and they click sure. right off. So sure. we learned very quickly about landing pages. Um, you know, anyone who's starting a digital business and Justin, you may know this, the Google assets are so complicated. I mean, you've got Google Merchant, Google Analytics, Google Advertising, um, you know, and they, they're not all linked. And then you have to link them and then the links break. Um, and then if your feed isn't correct, I mean, it's, it goes on and on and on. And it's, it's so complicated. But once you get it running, your SEO will work. Um, and there's no manual, by the way. That's and right. Then, 
No, and then they not. change it every month. <laughs> right. Oh, oh. So I'm not complaining, but it's just been, it's, you'd have, you have to be on your toes. Um, and you have to have people around you who can help. So that's a great segue. I was just going to ask, did you have to rely on others? You know, you talked a lot about the network to get information connections, to get product made together, ready to go to market. What about on the marketing side? And once you, you know, now that you're thinking about retail, what does that look like? Are you still doing that all yourself or are you, are you leveraging others? Yeah. So, um, being classically trained in marketing, although I've done everything since then, um, that's in my wheelhouse, but I still have to hire, um, a creative team who does my creative. Um, and I'm still using, you know, the same group for that. Um, we actually are in central market, which is, um, HEB's higher end stores in Texas. So they carry us in 10 stores. And I find that, uh, I make sales calls to specialty stores all around the country. We're probably in 25 or 30 stores. And when people taste it, it's easy to sell. It's amazing, right? And after I've gone in or done a virtual demo with the staff, uh, they blow through products so quickly because people are so excited to talk about it. There's really nothing like it on the market. So it's slow. It's one jar at a time. There's no fast forward button. The only fast forward button I know is Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and she hasn't, she hasn't called me yet. Um, and I don't even know how to chase her down. I think she'd love it if she tried it. But there's no fast forward button. That's it's right. one jar it at a time. time. And that's what I would tell people. It's like, pace yourself. It sure. doesn't happen overnight. And by the way, had Oprah said something six months ago, it would have killed us. We wouldn't have been Couldn't able have to handle the volume. Right. Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. I get that. Um, so as you look ahead, the market is opening up, um, economy is opening up, and opportunity for new consumers to try your product in the stores. What does that look like for you in terms of strategy looking ahead this year? Yeah, so we're looking at um, alternative channels. So for example, um, there's a, a local company in Indiana called Green Bean Delivery, and we're in the process of trying to start a business with them. But they do, they have like 20,000 customers they deliver to. That's great because then they can have a relationship with the customer. And they're selling all other kinds of ingredients. So when they sell a jar of our chili oil or chili crisp, they can sell it with asparagus or with rice. Or So there's a real relationship opportunity there. Uh, I'm going to continue to look for smaller upscale chains because it's a, a, a premium product. And we're also, I just hung up the phone with a, with a, a vegan chain of um, fast casual food because our products are vegan. And so just trying to find alternatives. You know, Whole Foods, um, there was an opportunity to chase a national opportunity there. I just didn't, I'm not sure that's the right place for us. Sure. Um, Interesting. You know, and they want they want a free case of product for every store. So that's about a hundred thousand dollars worth of free product. Wow. I'm not funding that. Right. I mean <laughs> that's a, um, that's a and lot. I've talked to a, a lot bunch when you're of starting up, you know. <laughs> I've talked to a bunch of entrepreneurs, by the way, Justin, who have gotten into Whole Foods and I don't know one of them who said that they make money. They all say, Oh, you gotta be there to get in other places. And that's not how I think about business. I mean, I wanna make money with everything that I'm doing. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, and everyone's got a different path and different experience, right? With different products. That's what's cool right. about this industry. Um, yeah. you know what, I always love to ask our guests, like what would be two or three lessons learned? You've shared a ton already, but you know, you think about some of our listeners that are entrepreneurs or have a, a cool idea that they have, or they're investigating or may pursue, like what would be another one or two of your coaching elements or pieces of advice from a leadership perspective you'd share? Yeah, I would say um, from a leadership perspective, I'm always looking for people 
to partner with. I'm not looking for vendors. Um, I, I want I want people who are like minded. And the most important trait I look for in people are creative problem solvers. Um, no is not in my vocabulary. And so one of the things you can do when you're interviewing a co-packer or um, an agency, you know, is ask them, you know, um, when was the last time they learned something new and try and, and, and explore, you know, how, what's their learning process? Because you want people who are going to solve problems. There are so many problems and you need people, you know, who can look at what you're doing and say, Hey, I know of a better way to do it. Um, and so think of, think of all these people as your partners versus vendors. That's what I would say. Love that. I think that's great advice for anyone, big company or small, quite frankly, that whole idea agree. of the vendor um, right. versus a partner is one right. that has bothered me for years. Um, I actually wrote about it a long time ago. Um, right. it's still the case today. Uh, this is really cool. Excited for you and your product and your brand. Um, and uh, what about new flavors, new uh, line extensions, anything in the mix there? Or are you working on just making sure you hit the market with the ones you've got today? You know, this, um, there's so many legs to go on. You know, we had the four chili crisps. We launched a dry blended product, um, which is a fashioned after a 300 year old Japanese togarashi. And so, but it's the same idea. It's an explosion of spicy umami. So that it has mm. chilies and black and white sesame seeds, nori for the umami, and then um, a ginger. But we could do a dry blended za'atar, which would have umami to it, or a Thai version. So we're, we're thinking about um, expanding into other dry blended spices all around an explosion of spicy umami is the idea. But you know, frankly, the other piece of advice I would tell people, and I'm not the best at following this, Justin. Matter of fact, if you were to look at my pipeline, I'm not following it. But the best advice that I would give is focus. Um, when we were going to launch, we launched with two flavors. I was going to launch with three, um, a Chinese and a Mexican, and then a spicy, just no flavor, just spicy. Sure. And I thought that's confusing and it's complicated. And I would say to your people, keep it simple. I'd rather execute a simple idea flawlessly than a complex idea in a mediocre way. Because if, hmm. you, I, if you execute a simple idea flawlessly, you live to survive another day. And that's what you want. And I, I, I try to follow that advice. I'm not great at it because I love ideas. Um, but focus, you know, that, so you say more flavors. No, I think right now we have flavors that cover the globe. Let's just get those flavors. Let's get those right. Yeah, yeah, totally get it. So good. Share with our listeners where they can find you, connect with you, buy the product, et cetera. Right. So uh, on our website, www.oomame.net. O-O-M-A-M-E.net. Yep. Love it. And you can also find us at, on Instagram and Facebook at Umami Taste. And that would be O-O-M-A-T-A-S-T-E, at Umami Taste. That's our Instagram handle. And we'd love to have you as a customer. Uh, I think you'd find our products uh, amazing. You know, you... You didn't ask who our, uh, who our users are. You know, what's interesting is um, beginner cooks love the ease and convenience because you can use it on everything. You can put it on top of stuff, mix it in with stuff, marinate with it. But experienced cooks and chefs have a tremendous appreciation for the complexity and versatility. I mean, I think in the Indian product, there's 16 different flavors. And it just, it's, it's amazing uh, the depth and layers of flavor. So 
it's for beginners and experienced, you know, experienced people. And, you know, they're great gifts for your favorite foodie friends. Love it. Love it. Well, I'm excited for you. I mean, your early stages here, you're, you, like you said, one jar at a time. Um, and that's what's really cool about, you know, owning your own brand and, and whatnot. And I hope you'll come back on down the road as you continue to gain share and, and market space and, and share with us more of your stories. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Hey, Mark, it's been great having you on the podcast. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.